Hello, my name's Todd Starnes. I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. Thanks for joining us for our podcast. If you'd like more information about us, you can go to odessafirst.com. That's odessafirst.com. You can also find us on all the social media platforms. Welcome to week two. The title of this week's sermon is The Signs in the Sky. God used the heavenlies to tell us about the Messiah's birth 2,000 years ago. He's also using the heavenlies to tell us that the rapture of the church is coming soon. I hope you enjoy the message. So in Psalm 19, we read this verse. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Then the heavens declare the glory of God. I love these two verses. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaims His handiwork. I'm going to read that again. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above claim His handiwork. Day to day pours out what? Look at the screen. What does it say? Pours out what? That's very important. Pours out speech, and the night reveals what? Say it with me. Knowledge. So we see that day to day there is there is speech taking place and we see that the night reveals knowledge I, I i think about this passage every single time i'm you know anywhere where you can see the stars right i mean i you know watching sunrises and sunsets and and seeing the stars it's i, I it's I, I love it i mean i don't really know how to describe it i think that's one of the things i like being out of the country so much is being around a campfire and, 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 and seeing the stars. And, and we'll always kind of get together and look at an app and find stars and planets and constellations and look at those things. And I love that kind of stuff. I, 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 you know, I talked about last week how yesterday was opening day of, of, of both season. I know this is real spiritual. But uh, um, I didn't think I was going to get to go, but I, I, I snuck off Friday night and I got there late, and I was able to be in my tree stand yesterday morning. And I thought, man, this would go perfect. I could, I, I, you know, because I'm out there an hour before sunlight, and the, I mean, the sky was just amazing. And so I, I was like, I'm going to record this and use it for an er- illustration of my sermon. And I realized I forgot my phone in the truck. So you don't get that this morning. But, uh, um, I, you know, it's, I, I love to be able to watch the sunrises and see the stars. And I, I want to share another verse with you. And it's in Luke chapter 21. We kind of looked at this last week. But Luke chapter 21, we're going to read verses 24 through 25. Luke 21, verses 24 and 25. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and be laid captive among all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by Gentiles. Remember, we talked about that. That's been fulfilled. Until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Verse 25, look what it says right after that. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on earth the stress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the seas and the waves. You, 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 surely you've got to be able to put it together. I mean, you, with where we have been and the seeing what's happening on the world stage, there is no doubt that we're seeing verse 25 
come to life right in front of us with the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the floods. I mean, it just seems like the four, it is, when you look at just what's going on around the world, it's crazy of what we're seeing happen and take place. And there will be signs in the sun, moon, stars, on earth, distressed nations, perplexly because of the roaring of the seas and the waves. Now, before we go any further, yes, the title is The Sign in the Skies. But listen to me. Before we go any further, we're not talking about astrology or horoscopes. Satan cannot create. He can only manipulate. God in the creation of the universe put a couple of things in play using the heavenlies. One was the announcement and the birth of Jesus. Where it was a star not involved in the, the announcement and the birth of Jesus. It was, wasn't it? You know what else the scripture tells us? That we can read from what happens in the heavenlies is the coming of the Son of Man. We don't look to the stars for how our days are going to go or if we have about our spouse or our personality. That is, not, that is all created by the enemy. What God has created the heavenlies to speak to us is the times of the end times. That should have been a good place for an amen. So I'm telling you, if you're getting your cue, so let me, let me just take that a little further. If you're getting your cues by reading your horoscope, I would strongly suggest you to listen to the Holy Spirit before you do that. Jesus is, to me, no doubt he's coming. We see the forecast of his birth. How the wise men, think about it. These wise men, the wise men that were from Babylon saw his star in the east and start making a track to worship the Messiah that was to be born. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. I mean, and, and some have tried to, you know, they tried to pinpoint what is it exactly that the wise men saw. Maybe they saw Jupiter, Saturn, and the moon as they kind of converged, or some say it was Jupiter, uh, Regulus, and the constellation Leo. Whatever it might have been, they saw something in the heavenlies that lined up with Scripture, and they were able to make that track, that, that travel to go worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if, yes, Jesus was, just so you know, maybe I don't need to say this or not, but he, he wasn't an infant by the time the wise men got there but he was a toddler but I, I mean can you see how heaven can tell a story and that's what's happening in Luke 21 signs in the sun and the moon and the stars God announced the first coming of the son of man by forecasting in the stars 2,000 years ago and he's announcing the second coming of his son by the, what we see in the heavenlies today so in Matthew chapter 24 is where kind of we're going to park a little bit this morning. Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to just read verse 29. And it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, I, so my, my goal as I took on taking on this today is we can't go just dive deep into everything that we read. What my goal has been is, okay, let's just take Scripture for what it says 
and kind of give a foundation of what's happening in these passages. And so there are a couple of things I want to point out very quickly in Matthew 24 and 29. It says that we're going to read a passage of Scripture. It says immediately after the tribulation. And I just want to, you to know this morning that that doesn't necessarily mean the tribulation that we read about in Revelation. Now, if you believe in a post-tribulation rapture, then yes, you would believe that this is talking about that tribulation. I do not believe in a post-rapture, a post-tribulation rapture. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And we're going to talk about this at a little, I'm going to just introduce that today and more next week. So don't like doze off because you're like, okay, this is already too complicated for me. It's, it's really not that complicated. And so, but what this word can also mean, if you look at other translations, you'll see that it's the, the word tribulation is not the word that the translators use, but a time of great difficulty. But regardless if you're a tree-tribber or a post-tribber, there is no doubt that you can look at the world today and realize we're in a mess. Would you agree with that? And so we see that after this, these times of trouble in those days, it says, also again, see, Matthew 24 and Luke 21 are partners in Scripture together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, if you're really into end time teaching, this, these do have deeper significant meaning. But again, as I said, what we're doing is, is just taking Scripture for what it says and laying a foundation. So here we see the sun will be darkened. Well, in simple terms, when the sun is darkened, we call that a solar eclipse. A solar eclipse. If you're taking notes, that's your first blank there, I think. So the sun will be darkened. That happens during a solar eclipse. The second is the moon will not shed its light. Well, very simply, when that happens, that's a lunar eclipse. So we have solar eclipse, we have lunar eclipse. A third is the stars will fall from the sky. That sounds like a meteor shower to me. Again, understand, we're just taking this for what it says and just laying a simple foundation. The stars in the sky, that sounds like a meteor shower or maybe uh, something in comments or something like that. And the fourth thing is that the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The power of the heavens we see in Scripture are, is a, really a battle, something taking place between angels and demons. We read in Ephesians chapter 6 about the powers and the principalities in the air, right? And so this could be some sort of spiritual event that takes place, some kind of spiritual event. And so I don't want to like really get bogged down in this, but I, I'm going to tell you some, I do want to tell you some significant things about this first sign that signs in the sky and the one being those solar eclipses um just so you know our first continental solar eclipse happened in 1776 the second happened in 1918 there was a third just three years ago so think about the span of time between 1776, 1918, and just a few years ago. So they do not happen as, and I have said from the beginning, I don't think that we can interpret Scripture 
or even end time scripture with what happens in America. It has much ado about Israel and the Jewish people. But here's why I found that very, one of the reasons I found that very interesting. I'm not asking, I'm just going to, it's just some information. So um, I'm not trying to, you know, we're not going to start a cult over this or anything like that. I, I don't think that there are coincidences. However, I'm not saying there's anything deep theological in what I'm about to tell you. But what I'm just using to express is we're seeing a ramping up of what we're seeing happen in the heavenlies. Are you with me? So, when, so we know there was a, an eclipse in 2017 that was over the, did anybody remember that? It was a big deal over the continental U.S. The next one's going to happen in 2024. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing a, a great reduction in a time in between eclipses that are going over the continental U.S. So listen to me. Um, the, the one in 2017 went from west to east. The one that's happening in 2024 will go from east to west. And it'll actually make a X on a specific place in America. This fascinated me. Again, I'm not saying this is as full of great meaning. Okay, I'm trying to protect myself here, reading the fine print. Um, but it'll make an X over the United States in southern Illinois on a, on a city called Maconda. The nickname of Maconda, Illinois, is the Star of Egypt. In the New Testament, it was a star of Egypt that heralded Jesus' birth. Think about that for a second. So, by all of this, it may be coincidence, but I do believe through what we see in Psalm 19 that God is trying to prepare us to say, get ready, church. You're seeing things happen and unfold on the news every single day. Church, get ready. Church, get ready. It also says that the sun will darken and the moon will not shed its light. That could be lunar eclipses. We read in Joel chapter 2 and verse 30 and 31. And I will show wonders in the heavens. And, on, and again, remember, we're not talking about an astrology thing. The wise men even, remember we just talked about the wise men, they were not astrologers or in astrology, they were astronomers. You know the difference. And so the heavens on, on earth, so we're reading again that there's going to be something happening in the heavens that tells us the, the time frame that we're on. Blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And I know that recently, right, we went through this whole, you know, John Hagen, his book, and this whole blood moon thing. But I'm going to tell you, there is significance in that because four times over the last 500 years, there have been blood moons that fell on Jewish holidays. It's not about all the blood moons that have happened. It's, it's about the four that have happened on Jewish holidays. The first one was in 1492. Maybe if, if you remember something about school, you know, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Some of you got it. Awesome. You paid attention or remembered. And so it's sort of something significant that happened. Lunar eclipses are signs to the Jewish nation for the Jews. 
lunar eclipses and the moon cycles are far more important to the Jewish nation than what the sun does. And so the second one happened in 1949 and 1950. We learned that last week that Israel held their Independence Day in May of 1948. But it took another nine months to get the government set up and running. So the second um, of the blood moons happened when the Jewish nation came back together in 1949. The third happened in 1967. What did we talk about last week? And I just, that's why I reviewed so much just a few moments ago that in 1967, we see that they regained control over East Jerusalem. The most recent that took place is in 2014 and 2015. And so many believed that this was going to symbolize or signal the rebuilding of the temple. In Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation, those days the sun will darken, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers will not be, and, and, the, and the, the heavens will be shaken. So we know that the, the temple has not started being rebuilt yet, but what we do know is the red heifers have been born. What we do know, all the utensils and furniture for the temple is ready. So it's not going to take long and our ability with construction to be able to rebuild the temple. To be able to rebuild the temple. Uh, and the th- of course the third part of that was meteors and comets. Meteors are impacting every day and we're seeing an increase of that. Even a massive one that um, was compared to a, um, a, a, a one that was 30 times more powerful than the Hiroshima atomic bomb that happened in 2013 in Russia. And so we're seeing all of this ramp up in, this, in, in our day. We're seeing this unfold right in front of our eyes. I want to move on to verse 30 of Matthew 24. Verse 30 and 31. It says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. I think this is the same thing that happens in Revelation 19. If you don't know what Revelation 19 says, then you can just write it down and kind of look at it later. And it says, And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end to the other. Now, if those that believe in the post-tribulation rapture believe this scripture and verse is talking about the rapture of the church, I do not believe that this is talking about the rapture of the church because of its wording. Gather his elect from the four winds. It's not talking about a catching up. And so it could mean two different things. One is it could mean the gathering of, of the Jewish nation that, and, and Israel to give them an opportunity to, uh, to repent and come to the Lord, or it could mean, because this is happening after the tribulation, or it could mean of, the, of those that became Christian and, and were Christians during the tribulation, a gathering of them. Now listen to me. If you think it's hard, let me, how do I word this? I'm going to word it this way. There are many that believe that it's very difficult right now to live for the Lord. I'm going to tell you right now is the easiest time to live for the Lord. Do you know why? 
because we have been empowered with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us and works in us and stirs in us and guides us and leads us and convicts us. They're not going to have that during the tribulation. So don't think you can miss that moment. Oh, I'll just, I'll just serve God. And we're going to get into this in a couple of weeks. But when you read about what happens during the tribulation, I mean, it is uh, what we're seeing right now is nothing compared to the death that's going to happen during the tribulation. Amen. So that should encourage you, right? Okay. <laughs> and so the Son of Man will, but these are, all, these are all signs of what's going to happen. And I just didn't want to like gloss over this because it's right in the middle of this. And so the Son of Man, the Son of Man will come on the clouds. We see there will be an angelic trumpeting, and he will gather the elect. And so those three things we're going to see happen after the tribulation. And I, I kind of wanted to point that out a little bit because of what we're going to talk about next. And what we see that is in Matthew 24, picking up in verse 32. And normally I don't read this much of a passage, especially during a sermon because of time, but I felt the importance for us to look at it this morning. So are, are you awake? Do you need to stand up and kind of stretch a little bit just really quick? Okay. Matthew 24, verse 32. From the fig tree, and, and we've just broken up one big passage that we've gone through this morning, and this is where we're kind of we're winding up right here. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away but concerning that day and hour no one knows how many of you there's some of you there's some of you churchy people right anybody you know if you if if you're one of these you'll know you're churchy people does anybody remember the book in 1988 88 reasons why christ would return in 88 does anybody raise your hand if you remember that book do you remember the sequel he, you know the guy wrote a sequel too 89 reasons why Christ will come in 1989, well, here we are, 2021. Um, listen, we, I'm going to focus, we don't know the day or the hour, church. It's important to understand this. But concerning that day, no one knows, or not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Verse 39, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. There, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Get ready, church. Get ready, people of God. Who then is faithful and wise servant 
whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set over him all of his possessions. And so right here, we're going to talk about these signs that are pointing to the return of the king. The first one we find is this, the warning from the fig tree is to keep watching for the signs. When we are talking about, in that verse 32 and 33, to keep watching for the signs. We understand the cycles that happen. There is a, there, during the spring is when things bloom and, 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 you know, and all that kind of stuff. And the leaves come out. And, and, and during the summer is when that fruit begins to grow, right? And so he's saying just as it happens with the cycle of agriculture and nature, is there a deeper meaning to what I'm talking about? Yes, but remember, we're just reading for what it is and looking at just a foundation we can look and understand and keep watching for the signs. He, to keep looking at the heavens, to keep looking at what we're seeing in the news cycle. It's going to point to the coming of the Son of Man. That's why one of the reasons why I want to do this series is to acquaint us with these signs and for us to be on lookout and watch. So the warning from the fig tree is to keep watching for the signs. The second warning is this, is that when you start seeing these signs, is Jesus is returning in that generation. So a couple of things about that. I, you know, for a long time growing up, anytime I read this verse, I mean, I was so confused because the way I read this verse uh, uh, when I was young is uh, it was like, I, I kind of, I, I, it was like, okay, um, but surely a generation isn't 2,000 years long. I, if you know what I'm, what I'm saying here, I, I was thinking, uh, where's, how, how can Jesus say returning in that generation when, you know, that generation has been gone for a long, 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 long time. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that's not what it's saying here. What it's saying is, when you start seeing these signs, that I'm coming back in that generation. Now, what do we know? We don't know. I mean, it seems like Scripture points to a generation being 80 years. We know that, you know, with our own culture, that generations are different, uh, uh, different seasons and years, and, and we're seeing a shrinking on what a generation is considered. But listen to me. I, what it should tell us is this. What you see going on, it might happen in your lifetime. And you don't know the day or the hour. Are you, are you with me this morning? You don't know the time it's going to happen, and so that leads us to the third one. The, the verse about that, matter of fact, is this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And, I mean, we don't know if the countdown began. That, that countdown could have began in 1948. That countdown could have been in 1967 or 2018. And we don't know the, the, the span of the generation. But I'm going to tell you, the countdown clock is ticking. The third warning sign that Jesus gives, we read in verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. He talks about that three different times, and it is this, that Jesus will come on a day when no one knows. And I, I want to kind of uh, digress just for a moment, and I'm not going to ask your permission, so just brace yourself. It, it'll, be, it'll be really quick. So, you know, there is a thing ramping up 
in Christian churches of leaving what we hold on to as Christians to more of living life uh, and living life by the law of of the Jewish nation of kind of going back and living the in the Old Testament ways. Listen to me. There is nothing wrong for a believer to celebrate the Jewish festivals. There is nothing wrong with that. Every Jewish festival is a prophecy about Jesus. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm going to tell you, I do not live by the laws of the Old Testament simply because I read Galatians one day. I'm being a little facetious. I'm sorry. Listen, we are in a new covenant. <laughs> Aren't you grateful for the new covenant? I mean, if you think that celebrating the festivals has to do with your salvation, then start sacrificing again. I don't sacrifice because the supreme sacrifice has already been made. Sorry if I got on a soapbox there. I, okay. But here's what we do know, is that Passover represents Christ's death and resurrection. What we do know is the Feast of Unleavened Bread speaks specifically that Christ was going to lay down his life to become the supreme sacrifice. We know that the first fruits celebrates the resurrection of Christ after his death. And we know that the weeks, the Savat Pentecost, was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 when the church was born because the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so we know those four feasts Jesus has fulfilled. And that leaves three more to take place. The next one to take place is the Feast of Trumpets. Now the Feast of Trumpets takes place in September. And what that Feast of Trumpets represents is the regathering, is the rapture of the church being caught up together. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and those of us that remain will be caught up. It's the regathering of the church. That festival is celebrated on two days, right after another, right, you know, back to back in two days. And so even if you hold the belief that the rapture of the church is going to happen on those specific two dates, you still don't know the day or the hour. Did all that just make sense? Because it's over 48 hours, it's over two days. And so if that's when the Lord does it, if that's when the Lord does it, we still don't know the day and the hour. Jesus will come on a day when no one knows. Matthew 24, 39. And they were unaware. Remember, it's talking about Noah, the days of Noah. We kind of skipped some verses just for time's sake. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Those who are not looking will not be ready. And I want to be very, I, I do, I, in any of this, I want to be careful and cautious in what I say, but I'm going to tell you, there are some people that profess to be Christians that are not looking and watching. We need to be looking and watching. 
He says they'll be eating and drinking. You know, matter of fact, we, I, we and Angela had a brief conversation when the pandemic first started and kind of all the shutdowns started happening. And kind of our comment, just very, I don't know if she remembers, but we kind of just talked really quick. Well, we guess the Lord's not coming back right now because weddings had stopped. The, the, the gatherings had stopped. But we're seeing all that come back to everybody's, we're getting back in the flow Society start moving again. Those who weren't looking for the return of Christ most likely really don't know Jesus. And so it is our job to help people get to know Jesus, right? So the fifth warning to us is this. It's in verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So we should be constantly watching for Him. We should be constantly watching for Him. I remember my... Um, my, my mother and my grandmother sitting on my grandmother, my, my nanny Maxie, her porch. That was kind of always our gathering spot, right, for our family. I, you know, I've talked about before, I mean, all of our family, we kind of lived all on the same city block, all of my aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody. And every Sunday after church, we'd go over to nanny's and have homemade ice cream and watermelon during the summer. Man, I miss those days, but we'd all gather together. But I remember one day, uh, uh, my mom and my nanny, they weren't sitting in their regular chairs, but her, my nanny's house faced the east. And they're sitting there, and I just kind of was like, what are y'all, why are y'all sitting here why aren't, you know, in the swings? They're like, oh, we're just talking about that eastern sky splitting. And if you know what I mean by that, you're talking, we're talking about the rapture of the church. We should be constantly watching for him. This doesn't mean, right, I'm not saying or suggesting that you set your alarm during the night at every hour and then get up and go to your window and look outside you know that's not this is what this means is is to be alert to be ready at any moment to be watchful matter of fact i i may preach on this i may not i haven't decided yet but you know part of this jesus talks about the 10 virgins you may remember the story about the 10 virgins and and you know five were ready and five weren't ready but during that passage something that it's talked about that all 10 of them were asleep, but when the call came, it was only five that were, that were ready. So enjoy your night's sleep. It's okay. It's all right. But we should constantly be looking for him. And verse 44, while we are watching. Think about it this way. While we are watching, verse 44. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so here we read again, and it's simply to say we are to be ready for his return at any moment. So even as we're talking about this, and wherever you fall, maybe uh, uh, as a, a pre-trib or a mid-trib or a post-trib, regardless of where you are, be ready, be watchful, be alert. I, and I, I'm going to say it again. I kind of said this last week too, but listen to me. There should be a a deep stirring on the inside of us, of a realization to know that we're, this is all where we are now, just temporary. And there, and there really should be a longing inside of us for the fruition of all this to happen. So, if you're really awake, say amen. amen. Okay. Verse 46 and 47. Blessed is a servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. 
you know, I read that verse, and I, I don't have time to reference all of them, but you know, there's a lot of, there, about the talents, and uh, uh, there's so many scriptures. Uh, you know, Jesus was giving parables and teachings about the master finding the servants being faithful. And so here we see once again in Matthew 24, 46, and 47, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over his possessions. A servant who is ready is a servant doing his job. A servant who is ready is a servant who is doing their job. Listen to me. This time we're in right now is not a time to be in church one week out of six. The, where we are right now, in the end time, it's not a time to only come to church one out of eight weeks. It's not enough just to be a Christmas Easter Christian. We've got to be found faithful doing our job. He has left us with a job. What was that job? To go into all the world and preach the gospel. To make disciples among all the nations. We have been given a mission by the Lord Jesus. And he needs to find us being faithful doing that job. It's not about an REV reverend in front of your name. It's not about a deacon, a comma deacon after your name. It's about being the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ that we fulfill our mission. Let the Lord find His people faithful. Let the Lord find His people faithful. But then He ends with this. We read it in that verse 47. And I say to you, He will set Him over all His possessions. Those doing their job, when He returns, there's going to be a reward like you can't even imagine. You know, this week, I, you know, of course, I, I think this when anyone passes, when regardless of, of age, you know, and our, our heart breaks this week for the Rogers family, it really does. I, I wish I had all the answers, but I don't. But even this week, I, the first thing I thought, as Dean heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant, come and enter your rest. And I know heaven, I mean, Scripture talks about heaven, you know, in the streets of gold and the mansions and, and all of those things. But I'm going to tell you what makes heaven, heaven for me. It is Jesus. It is to be, spend eternity with the supreme sacrifice that washed and cleansed me and restored me in relationship with the Father. And because we don't know the day or the hour, quite possibly, just like a thief in the night, on a time which no one knows, the dead in Christ will rise and those of us that will remain will be caught up. We very well may be the generation that sees that. But I want to be found faithful to my Jesus. 
whether he chooses whether I go by the grave or I'm taken up in the sky, I want to be faithful to Jesus. I want to be faithful in how I live my life for him. I want to ask you to stand this morning. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I'd like to ask you to like and share today's message on your social media platforms. If you want more information about Odessa First Assembly, you can go to odessafirst.com or also follow us on our social medias on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We also live stream to most of those platforms. Again, thanks for joining us.